Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you, if you've not already, to pick up your Great Detectives of Old Time Radio t-shirt. You can go to t-shirt.greatdetectives.net to get our general Great Detectives t-shirt. And you can also the Johnny Dollar Anniversary t-shirt at uh, yourstruly.greatdetectives.net and our Joe Friday Never Said Just the Facts Ma'am t-shirt at friday.greatdetectives.net. In a moment, we're going to get into today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, I'm going to share some information from John Abbott's book because the first four and a half minutes of the episode or thereabouts are missing. And uh, this, uh, essentially, uh, I'm referring to the Who is Johnny Dollar Matter by uh, John Abbott. And uh, the story began with Johnny being contacted by Ed Grimm, uh, who uh, is with Athena Life and Casualty Company. Uh, And Johnny's informed that Maynard Collins was found dead in Colorado Springs, but they think he was dead uh, before the accident, uh, because at first glance it appeared he had died in a car accident. And the beneficiary is uh, Deliah Collins. Uh, Johnny then flies to Colorado Springs and meet with uh, and meets with Lieutenant Anders. And Lieutenant Anders tells Johnny that uh, Collins' car went off the side of Canyon Road about 10 p.m. And that's essentially where the story picks up in our conversation with Lieutenant Anders. Uh, the original air date on today's episode is December the 22nd, 1951. And this is, of course, titled The Maynard Collins Matter. Suppose you tell me how much you know if Miss Ann Collins was dead before the act of double indemnity clause in this policy. You won't find out. You could have saved yourself a trip, will we? Well, I'll tell you when off a canyon road a little after 10 o'clock that. Coroner's report two hours when the accident occurred. This is a blunt instrument. Someone back two hours later, that car drops off at his wife. Apparently wasn't home. He brought her home about 11. That's checks. Cab picked her of them home. She's been into her doctor's. We drive over there and see her any time now. Drive over there? Oh, uh, man, that's about five miles nearer them. Only some people live there up the top of the little canyon. Arrow, that's about a quick turn first turn. Uh-huh. Crash, is he the only one who heard of this? That's not too surprising, though. Up the top of the canyon. Nate did the first turn of the road below Collins. No one lives in between them. After Pinkert, there isn't much rest of the way into Manitou. Pretty icy road is, but it comes out right on Manitou's main drag. Know how to handle that road? You could get right from the center of things in three minutes. Suppose we go out there, see Mrs. Collins. You can see the layout yourself. Fine. Oh, uh, does she know yet that her husband was murdered? Yeah, Doc told her a little while ago. Now that's where the car went over. Over there. Uh huh. How much of a drop is it? Oh, 40, 50 feet, I guess. They got the car out, though, an hour or so ago. Should have a report on that before too long. That must have been Pinkett's house there at the curve. Yeah, we'll check him after we talk to Mrs. Collins. Look, you see? The way the canyon slopes, you can see the tops of those buildings. Ah, yeah. And they're on the main street we just turned off. That's right. So it isn't as isolated as it looks up here. 
Well, looks like this is it. This altitude will cut your wind. Oh, I got to live five or ten minutes up here. Never noticed it. Takes a while to get used to it, all right. Yes? Lieutenant Anders, see Mrs. Collins. Oh, sure. Come in. Come in. Uh, this is Mr. Dollar. Hello. I'm Ralph Turner, Aunt Delia's nephew. She, uh, she's this way, living here. Aunt Delia, this is Lieutenant... Uh, Lieutenant Anders, Mrs. Collins, Colorado Springs Police. Oh, yes, Lieutenant Anders. And this is Mr. Dollar. He represents your husband's insurance company. I see. Mrs. Collins. Well, sit down, gentlemen. Ralph, please, all of you. Where's your mother, Ralph? I think she's in the kitchen. She thought you ought to try to eat something. Oh, my. Uh, tell her not just yet. Tell her I'd like for her to be here. All right, Aunt Daly. Well, we... None of us know what to do, you know. It's, it's just unbelievable. Well, I'm very sorry, Mr. Daly. Thank you. Now, is there some question about the insurance, Mr. Dollar? No, not really, Mrs. Collins. Since the accident wasn't the cause of your husband's death, there's no question about it at all. I'm just here to get a complete report for the company. Well, I know me. It was very prompt about payments. The policy's in order, Mrs. Collins. Oh, this is my sister, Mrs. Turner, Lieutenant Anders, and Mr. Dollar. Oh, how do you do? do? I imagine these gentlemen want to ask some questions, Ada. I wanted you and Ralph here in case I forget anything. Oh, of course, dear. Anything we can do. You got back to the house at 11 o'clock last night, Mrs. Collins, uh, in a taxi, I understand. That's right. I've been gone all evening. Since, well, it must have been around seven, wasn't it, Adrian? Just about exactly seven. You see, our Thursday nights are a regular ritual with us. They always time out just about the same, don't they, Ralph? Yeah, just about. Ada means we do the same thing every Thursday night. She and Ralph call for me about seven. We have dinner in Manitou and then go over to the Springs to the Pueblo to see a movie. I usually get home around 10.30 or 11, depending on when the show is out. All three of you have dinner and see the picture together? Well, no. Ralph usually eats before they pick me up. He, he's just our chauffeur. Takes us to the restaurant in Manitou. We take a taxi to the Springs and taxi back. They drop me on the way. It's cheaper that way. Was your husband home when you left last evening? Yes, he was. He was just finishing his dinner when Ralph came to the door for me. As far as you know, did he have any plans for the evening? No. He usually plans something for Thursdays. Last night he'd spoken of Mr. Pinkett coming up and then playing cards, but well, for some reason that was called off. Is your neighbor down the road? Yes. You don't know why that plans were called off? No, I really don't. Maynard was talking to you, Ralph. Did he mention anything? No, he just said Mr. Pinkett said he couldn't make it. He asked me if I could come back. I told him I was going bowling if he could come with me. He said no. I sure wish I'd come back now. Well, Ralph and his uncle were devoted to one another. You see, Ralph's father, my husband, passed away some years ago. Maynard's just been wonderful to us both ever since. He sure has. Well, Maynard and I never had any children of our own tenants, so Ralph, of course, was special to do for us. Mrs. Collins, this may be blunt, but I'll have to ask you. Did your husband have any enemies, anyone who might want him out of the way? Why, not that I know of. I just can't imagine anyone not liking Maynard. I suppose that's just natural. Someone killed him. I know. 
I know. Look, do you have to say things like that? I'm afraid so. Well, that's all right, Ralph. Tennant has every right. I want to help all I can. Mrs. Thomas, was your car in front of your house when you left last night? Yes, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Men had often left it there. Yes, it was there, all right. Parked heading down the canyon. Remember, Ralph? We pulled up just in front of it. Yeah, we did. Well, is it important where the car was? It was important to the murderer, Mrs. Collins. It must have looked like a cover-up for him. A natural just sitting there in front of the house. Did it happen in the car? We don't know yet. We don't know where it happened. We have men checking outside. Some of them will be coming in here in a while to give the house a going over. Mm-hmm. That, I get report on the car, we should know a lot more. I hope so, Lieutenant. Whoever it was, I, I hope you find them soon. We'll get back to you, Mrs. Collins. We'd appreciate it if you'd stay here together. We may want to talk to you again. We'll be here. We won't leave Aunt Diddy. And if you think of anything that might help us, let us know. By the way, Ralph, uh, where do you do your bowling? The Clark Lanes, Manitou. Mm-hmm. I was there. You can check. We will. We did, too. According to the Bowling Alley Reservation Book, Ralph had the third alley from 7.15 to 10.15. A regular Thursday night customer, the owner said. Apparently, the whole family spent their Thursday nights in a prescribed manner, and everyone was properly accounted for between 8 o'clock when Maynard Collins was murdered and a little after 10 when Collins' neighbor, Doug Pinkard, heard the crash. It seemed like a good idea to talk to Pinkard. Nope, it couldn't have been any earlier. I know, because the 10 o'clock news had just come on when I heard the crash. Were you alone when you heard it, Mr. Pinkard? I'm a bachelor, Mr. Dollar. Alone a good bit of time. You called off some plans you had last night, Mr. Collins, didn't you? Yes, I did, but what difference does that make? Do you know that Collins was murdered? No, I don't know that. How could he be murdered and go off the road? He'd been dead two hours when that happened. You're sure about the time you heard the crash? I'm positive. Two hours? What? That would make him dead around eight o'clock. That's right. Does that mean anything to you? No, no judgment. Mean anything to me. You didn't hear anything around eight o'clock, any commotion or struggle or a car going by or anything? No, not at eight o'clock. I heard a car around seven, but that was Delia and then I saw them go. They're regular as clockwork, you know. Every Thursday night. And that's the last car you pulled the crash? That's the last one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the last one. Yeah. You're sure you'd hear a car if it came by this way? Well, I usually do. I don't get a lot of traffic up here, you know. I usually take a look when I hear a car come. Well, maybe there's another road out of here, is there, Mr. Pinkard? No, nope, this one sort of peters out up above Collins's. The only way to get up to Collins's is up this road here. How well do you know the Collins? Well enough again. I've been up to his house a lot. Mostly when she isn't there... I always had an idea she didn't care much for me. Then I'm not used to women around. <laughs> Just don't know how to judge me. You knew Mr. Collins better then? Oh, yes, lots better. And I liked him. I liked him a lot. I... I'm just real sorry. Well, did you say they got along all right? You think they were happy together? You, you talked to Dee? Yeah. You talked to her? She said they got along all right? She implied that, but I'm asking you, not her. Well, maybe they did. Like I said, I'm not used to women. I just don't know how to judge them. You don't think they were happy together, Mr. Pinker? Well, maybe they were. I don't think it was serious, though. Sometimes they fought about things. How do you know that? Well, Maynard told me mostly. And then a couple of times I wandered in up there, and they'd be going at it a little, you know. About anything in particular? No, I didn't say so. I don't remember anything in particular. I... Try to stay out of things like that. You know, just get along. Did you ever hear them going at it about money? Oh, I guess, yes. Yes, money. Well, that's all. I, w- I was fixing to go for a climb. That's the way I spend most of my time, you know. No reason why I shouldn't go now, is there? Uh, Mr. Pinker, do you have any idea who would kill Mr. Collins? 
No. I can't think of anyone who did it. Somehow I had the idea that Pinkett was ordinarily a man of very few words, that he'd said more in the last ten minutes than he had for the last ten years, but you never know. Anders was pretty stumped. I didn't blame him. No scene of the crime, no murder weapon. No one wanted Collins dead. It wasn't going to be easy. Back at headquarters, a new development was waiting for us. His name was Clint Bingham. I run a service station manager. Maynard, uh, Mr. Collins, called me about 7.30 last night. Told me he had a flat tire and wanted me to come change. I was low and had a couple of customers, and they might come up when it goes up with the night, and I did. What time was that? It was right at 8 o'clock. Oh. Well, I get up there, knock on the door, hike around the house, and then come to the door. Maybe he's gone somewhere, but the back. He's in the car, so I changed the tire for the my stuff and move, and so. Except, uh, maybe I'm imagining it. What? Uh, well, it seemed to me I heard something. Something was watching me. Could have been man or something. Maybe I, I don't know. A bit later, it sounded like something sort of running. I wouldn't want to say it before. Did you tell what direction the sounds came from? It seemed like it was down the pinkers. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't think much about pinkers always find it around the other eye. How about that? Yeah, I uh, checked in with you earlier on the only one maybe this morning. Just got back in. I heard about it. I just didn't. Anders. Got a couple of things for you, Lieutenant. Looks like Collins was killed with a brush not far from his back door. But it's good, though. How about the weapon? Yeah, they're still looking. They've checked the cars, nothing there. Uh-huh. Just got a call from the emergency hospital. That fellow Pinkett, he caught in the crash. Yeah? He walked in front of a car over and managed it. Pretty bad shape. We will return to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. If you're in the market for a Sunday night date, here are a few suggestions. Matter of fact, you needn't take your pick. You can date them all. Marie Wilson and Kathy Lewis on My Friend Irma. Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks. Harry Livingston on The Jack Benny Show. Briny-tempered Sapphire on Amos and Andy. And Janet Waldo as Corliss Archer. Stay home tomorrow night and date the whole gang over most of these same CBS radio stations. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we bring you the second act of yours, truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> It was going to be a while before Pinkett would be in condition to talk. According to the driver of the car and witnesses, Pinkett never even looked, just walked out into the path of the car. One of the witnesses, the kid who worked at Clint Bingham's service station, said Pinkett had come in, asked for Clint, and took it very big when he learned he had gone hunting. Finally, Pinkett came around, and Anders and I listened. I knew Kent was up there at Manny's. I heard him come. Uh, I'd have told you, too. He was that Manny was his mother. About the time I knew Kent was there. And Kent's a good boy. I wanted to hear him say he was there first. Before I told you. Holding evidence. Sorry. I don't care if it is. Man don't have too many things. Me and Manny run to our home. Manny's gone. I can't lose Pink, too, until I'm sure. Why did you walk in front of the car, Mr. Pinker? Boy said he had gone hunting. I heard maybe one word. I didn't see any car. Vince says he heard someone running near your house when he was changing Collins' tire. 
That you think it? It was not. I never left the house last night. Suppose you did leave the house. Suppose you killed Collins out behind his house. Then came, he interrupted you, so you ran. You knew he might have seen you, so today you had to get to him before he got to us. Why? Why would I kill him? Why would you kill him, Peter? Ask her, Diego. Ask her what was thought about yesterday. You all the things. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say The doctor motioned us out of the room. Anders wasn't buying the quarrel or anything else much that Pinkett had said. He decided to stay at the hospital until Pinkett could talk again. With his permission, I went back to Delia Collins. She was alone. I sent Val to Ada home, where she was a clothes and wreck. I'm stronger now, and the strain's been so much for me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about Mr. Pinkett. Mrs. Collins, he says you and your husband quarreled yesterday. Why? We did. Oh, it wasn't a quarrel exactly. I had my opinion, and Maynard had his. I'd really forgotten Mr. Pinkett's words and nothing. I don't see how it could be important at all now. Anything's have to be. Might be a big help. Well, all right. I'm glad Ada and Ralph aren't here. It's better. I'm afraid it would hurt them. Maynard had such plans for Ralph, but he tried to tell him no one could live up to what he expected about him. Ralph's not much of a student, and Maynard was paying his college expenses. Yesterday, I guess Maynard went over to talk to the dean. The college is in town? It's in Springs. Mm-hmm. Maynard said the boy wasn't trying. The dean didn't think so either. Mm-hmm. Well, I took Ralph's part. I guess I always can. Anyway, Maynard said he told the dean to take the boy out of school, and he wasn't cooking the bills anymore. I must admit, I was very upset. I just don't know half what you said. You remember, did your husband say whether or not he told Ralph? No. Well, he hadn't told him. I begged him not to. He said that was up to the dean. I thought he would not see him down there. Change his mind. It didn't seem like much to bother Anders with, not until I knew more. And when I knew more, it wasn't worth it. Dean Michener at the college hadn't told Ralph anything about his uncle's visit the day before. He'd planned to tell him the next morning. After he heard about the tragedy, he decided the news would keep. I told him where he could reach me, and I rejoined Lieutenant Anders at the hospital. They came up with the murder weapon, found it half buried under some brush. The canyon slopes down toward the main street. See, tire irons. Thames? He says it isn't his. Tire irons are pretty much alike. We're checking his prints against those on the iron. I can't figure Bingham showing up like he did. We wouldn't have known he was there if he hadn't told us. He could have thought Pinker had told us, or that he would. Still don't know anything about the motive. I'm waiting to put the two of them together. Someone's got to give. Think it's still in bad shape? Doc says the way to buy Okay, thanks. Be right back. Johnny Dollar. I certainly appreciate your calling me, Dean Mitchell. I'm very upset about this breach of trust, Mr. Dollar. I want you to know that I intend to do something spiritual about it. Now, don't be too hard on her, Dean. She may have done us all a favor. 
And as Ralph did know Collins was taking him out of school, Dean's secretary told him. He did, eh? It's the nearest thing to a motive we've done. Yeah. How about the bowling alley? It's there three hours last night. I'd like to check that again, if it's okay with you. Go ahead. I'll try anything. I'll have him picked up and brought here. Sure. I set pins for him. He bowls the alley three times every week. There uh, wasn't anything different about last night? No. Just knocked the pins down. He set them up, same as any other night. And he bowled from 7.15 till 10.15 last night, huh? Well, I'm not sure of the time. The book had showed that. Well, that's what the book says. Well, then, uh... Did you say 7.15 to 10.15? That's right. Well, I quit before 10 last night. You're sure about that? Sure, I'm sure. I was home by 10, a couple miles from here. And I'll tell you something else. No one bowls on my alley from about quarter to eight to quarter after. That's when I eat my dinner. My alley's closed then. The time's fit. Ralph could have made it up to his uncle's and back while the pin girl was eating the dinner. But if he'd driven up the canyon, Pinkert would have heard him. Maybe he hadn't driven up. There was that to consider. Lieutenant Anders was considering a lot of things when I got back. Oh, come in, Dollar. Ralph here was beginning to open up a little. He doesn't deny he knew Collins was taking him out of school. Why should I deny it? He anything to move going to school. Uncle Maynard died in the first place. I'd have to have a better reason than that to kill him. Did you have a better reason, Ralph? Suppose I was bowling last night. You weren't bowling from 7.45 till 8.15 when your uncle was killed. Sure of that, Dolly? The tin girl was having a dinner then, always does, she said. How about that, Ralph? So maybe I wasn't bowling for you. What'd you do in that half hour? I don't know. Nothing important. Did you leave the bowling alley, Ralph? I don't know. Here I have, Lieutenant, the last set of prints, Chip. Thanks, Sergeant. Thanks very much. This is your prints, Ralph. Murder weapon. I didn't have anything to do with school. I left the bowling alley, all right? I couldn't stand just walking around knowing what I knew. Then you got a hold of me. And after the car, grabbed for something heavy and went up there. Walked up. Did you walk past Mr. Pinkett's? No. Not the road. I climbed the trail. Pinkett always knows who comes and goes. I got up to the back door of the house. Mr. the maid was there on the back porch. Mr. Pinkett's car. You didn't need a I came down the way, I heard a car out front. I ran and back to the train and made it, rode and made it. I soon I went back there. But you went back again, didn't you? Yeah. I thought about him, how they found him. Maybe even Aunt Billy and Mom. That's when I went back. I remember the car out front. Just a minute. Why'd you do it, Ron? It was just him. Just being such a generous guy, always paying his bills. Everybody ramming him down my throat all the time. I knew he wasn't so great. I knew about him and women for a long time. Sorry for Aunt Billy, that was wrong. So I found out he was his father and mom. I had to kill him. <laughs> Ralph's mother corroborated his story, and when they got through telling it to the jury, it was a very quick decision for a justifiable homicide. Expense count item two, $175, transportation back to Hartford. The miscellaneous expense account total, $310. Remarks? The company need only pay the straight-life value of the policy. 
double indemnity clause was never even a factor in the case. In view of the real factors involved, I can wish that Maynard Collins had gone over that canyon in an accident. Would have been cleaner and kinder all the way around. That's true. Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. It stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Kathleen Height with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien can now be seen starring in the Paramount Pictures Technicolor production, Silver City. Featured in tonight's cast were Ed Begley, Gil Stratton Jr., Jeanette Nolan, Virginia Gregg, Howard McNear, and High Everback. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. <laughs> This is Dan Cumberly inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Edmund O'Brien again. I'd like to speak to you for a moment about one of the most important duties of American citizens. Today, every American has an opportunity to share in our common defense effort. And right now, this opportunity has become a duty for all of us. The armed forces of the United States need blood, our blood. The Korean campaign has gravely depleted the supply on hand, and this must be replenished if we are to afford our servicemen the protection they are giving us. No matter what your age, sex, or station in life, you can contribute to American defense by donating a pint of your blood to the men of your Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines. Call your local blood donor center or Red Cross chapter today for an appointment. Remember, your donation of blood may save the life of a wounded services. Give your blood today to save a life tomorrow. A little earlier, we mentioned the ladies who will be on CBS Radio tomorrow night. Now, here are the men. My friend Irma shares her lazy boyfriend, Al, with one and all. If you like him older, there's Professor Kropotkin. For a date that's shy, try Mr. Boynton, the object of Eve Arden's affection, as our Miss Brooks. Enjoy the fun with these men on most of these same CBS radio stations tomorrow night. CBS Radio Network.
welcome back. Well, I, this episode, I it does continue to make me wonder whether O'Brien is underrated or hurt a little bit by the sound quality on so many of his episodes. You know, he's got about half a dozen of his episodes are unedited drama portions, and then there's this, and then you have quite a few missing episodes. So that does uh, cut into people's uh, ability to enjoy and engage in his story. Though, once you have the uh, opening information, I think it's pretty easy to follow what's going on in Maynard Collins, sound quality issues aside. All right, well, listener comments and feedback, and I have a comment on YouTube. And the comment uh, is, I have actually uh, grown to like O'Brien's bully boss taking the character as uh, Johnny Dollar. I like Bob Bailey and Let George Do It more than in this show. His lightness is often overwhelmed by the surroundings. O'Brien seems more like Danny Clover, uh, and that's from Broadway's My Beat, if he had left the police department five years earlier. Hmm, interesting observation. Thanks so much for the comment. And today I'm going to do something a bit different uh, with two different uh, Patreon supporters I will be thanking. Usually I thank uh, one random Patreon supporter, but I've noticed some folks have been supporting the podcast for a long time on Patreon. So I'll do episodes to thank those who have been Patreon supporters for five or six years. And we're only going to do the six-year one until next April. And that's because I think I should have thought of the idea of honoring people who've been supporting the show for five years sooner. So I don't want anybody to get skipped. So... At any rate, I do want to go ahead and thank our long-term five-year Patreon supporters. Thank you to Jennifer, supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level, and to Glenn, supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Both have been supporting the program since May of 2016. Thank you so much for your support. Well, that's all for now. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.